subscribe and rate it. Five stars. Good afternoon, Cliff. Good afternoon to you, Bobo. How are you doing today? Pretty good, pretty good. How's it going with you? Nothing's ruined my day, and I've made it almost all the way through, so not bad for a change. Well, sorry about what's about to happen to you. Oh, I, I look forward to this every week, Bobo. And, <laughs> you and I barely, barely talk anymore except for when we talk podcasts, so it's always good to catch up with you and see what's going on. Yeah, yeah. I just drove down, drove down that huge storm the other day after Christmas. Drove down to my parents' house in SoCal, and I stayed in the heart of the storm the whole way down. It tracked down with me. I don't think you could avoid it if you were on the West Coast at all. Yeah, it was. It was it's been a lot of storms out here. I mean, the whole we're, we're <laughs> we shouldn't say anything because those guys got killed around the rest of the country, and they just got pounded. I know it's like it's like 48 degrees. It's raining and uh, it's gray and drizzly, and I think it's perfect. I love this stuff, but you know, back east they're really suffering. Oh, dude, yeah, I mean. Those ice storms. I mean, we, we were filming the show. We got in those ice storms. They're gnarly. I couldn't leave my house for days because of the ice storms we had here right before Christmas. But it's, it's oh, all sure. melted off by now. I got a report this week from local uh, the local area. That was kind of cool. What was it? Uh, uh, somebody was out Christmas tree gathering. You know, they they hiked up a trail to go um, to go gather Christmas uh, Christmas tree for their family. Cut the thing down, dragged dragged it back to the car, secured it, got in the car, and. In the rearview mirror, he said he saw one of these things standing there, like back in the shadows. And, you know, it, it was getting to be dark and whatnot. It could be a misidentification. But he did say he got out of the car and then stared at it for a while. Um, and he said that he saw the thing move. It was swaying back and forth. Uh, he didn't indicate that there was any wind or anything. So I, I, I hesitate to say that the guy misidentified a tree swaying. Um, the only thing that makes me wonder, well, there's a couple of things that make me wonder. I mean, number one is, you know, the, the visibility there, there's always a issue. There's always an issue with, um, possible uh, misidentifications. But one of the things he also noted is that the, the Sasquatch seemed to have some uh, light dusting of snow on its shoulders. And that makes me think, well, gosh, could, I mean, wouldn't an animal wipe it off? I mean, I don't want to presume to know what a Sasquatch would or wouldn't do. If God, if I had that power, I would have got footage many, many years ago. But, um, that, that was the observation. Okay. Well, so I don't know, maybe, I mean, I'm not saying the guy hundred percent for sure saw one because, uh, I think that even he would not use language that strong, but, um, it is an area where we've gotten a lot of stuff in the past. It's up kind of like towards the past rhododendron a little bit, um, on, on this little tiny road called Still Creek. That is a long, long, lonely road that goes from, um, right around rhododendron all the way up to past government camp. Um, in a very isolated valley where barely anybody lives once you get the first past the first couple miles there. But uh, a really interesting, really neat area. So, and that's the most recent activity that I've heard of, uh, especially a visual, even though I'll probably say this is a class B visual using moneymakers A and B uh, designations. But still, it's something that's been kind of dead lately besides that. Yeah, I just got um, my buddy sent me photos of a deputy sheriff out east of me in the mountains out there in the west of the five, but east of the 101. Guy right by his house found huge footsteps going through the snow and he said he was hearing knocks that's cool I'll, I'll send you the photo you can't make anything out but i mean you can see the, the shapes but there's no like detail it's kind of taken from far away give you an overview 
Uh, well, there you go. That's one. Let's let's do a public service announcement right now, and just say that if you ever take photographs of something in the ground, make sure you have scale and make sure you take multiple pictures of every single footprint. Make Cliff and Bobo happy because we, after all, we are your your BFFs, man, your Bigfoot friends, and that's why we're here to kind of help you out and entertain you and have some fun and teach you how to do some stuff if you don't know. Exactly. Well, speaking of Class A witnesses, we got on Mike today. He's out of Mississippi. He's got an excellent thing I told you about. I heard him on another podcast. I think he was on Wes's show, and it just blew me away. And he had some uh, details in his report that people have, you know, hypo- hypothesized about about their, you know, vocals, like how they generate these sounds, what kind of structure they have to their throat and mouth, and that tongue and that sort of thing. And this guy got a A plus view of it. So anyways, we got Mike from uh, Mississippi coming on, Cliff, and this is Mike. Hey, Mike. Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. How you doing, Cliff and Bobo? Good. Doing good. Doing good. Thanks so much for being willing to come on the show. I know you've been doing a handful of podcasts over the last couple months here because your sighting is so compelling and uh, so, I, I guess, exciting. I, I've not heard it because... I don't listen to anybody. I don't listen to podcasts. I don't even listen to this podcast, except for when we're doing it. Um, so I don't. I, I'm not privy to this sort of information that's out there circling right now. So Bobo kept raving about your encounter and said that I absolutely have to hear it. So here you are, and I'm so thankful for it. So Mississippi. That's great because we don't get a lot of stuff from Mississippi. We've done a Finding Bigfoot episode down there, and we learned that there's a ton of stuff going on. But um, there's relatively few researchers down there. And I guess the people down there don't really think about Bigfoot so much. But yet here we are. Before this encounter, was Bigfoot even on your brain as something in Mississippi or not? Absolutely not. Um, I had never even thought about Bigfoot. You know, I've seen it on TV and stuff like that. Uh you know, I've seen pictures and videos back in the old days, you know, the Patterson-Gimlin film, and I just thought it was a bunch of BS. I just thought it was people doing stuff for money, pretty much. It, it wasn't on my radar at all. So, Mike, then let's just jump right into the sighting here. How did this thing start? What were you doing that day? Set the, tell us where and when this all happened. Kind of bring us there with you, if you could, please. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, to kind of get this started, I got to tell you a little bit bit about the hunting season that we have down here in south mississippi um down here there's two dog seasons people actually use dogs to hunt deer down here everybody else that hears about it it blows their mind but you know in alabama south alabama and south mississippi they use dogs it's kind of like like a man drive that they'll circle off an area and they use walker hounds which is just a pretty much an american fox dog they train them on a deer you know, on the smell and all that, and they they find a good track and they'll set the dogs off, and the dogs will drive the deer out the woods to the hunters. When you guys get better at hunting, you won't need dogs anymore. Yeah, exactly. They've been <laughs> they've been doing it for a long time. I was a kid. I was just breaking oh, balls no, no, in the Mississippi no. guys. I'm not a huge fan of it. Never have been. When that season comes around, there um, you have to go to like uh, like state protected management areas that only allows like steel hunting and stuff like that so that's what i did there um there's a place about two counties up from me it's called leaf river management area and i had a certain spot that i would go up there every year and it's probably about an hour and a half from where i'm at and you go up there and there was this particular spot next to a game warden station 
it was a huge ryegrass field. I mean, huge. I mean, we're talking about a thousand yards long and probably about 500 yards across. Huge field. And there was power lines adjacent to that that was that that ran north and south. Well, all the hunters that go up there, you know, they hunt right on the field. Easy in, easy out. I used to get behind the field probably about 200 yards on a power line. It was kind of like a wedge. And I had a lot of success there because deer down here are really funny. They don't, they're pretty much nocturnal because of all the hunting pressure that we do have. So I've always had better luck if I got behind that field 200 yards on this power line. What these deer do is, you know, 30 minutes before dark, they'll start coming through, but they won't come out onto the ryegrass field until it's dark. You know, that's, they feel safe. They know the hunters are out the woods, this, that, and the other. But I always had really good luck because I would get, you know, a couple hundred yards behind that field on the power line, and I used to catch them slipping, getting ready to go on that field before dark. Punted this spot for decades. So, you know, like I said, I never believed in Bigfoot, nothing like that. Never had anything happen to me, this, that, and the other. And it was a normal day. It was just a normal day. You know, skies were blue, probably, I don't know. 35, 40 degrees. I hunt out of a climbing stand. It's an actual climbing stand where you actually have to climb the tree. It's it's two pieces. You sit on one part and there's one part for your feet. You just pretty much jack up the tree. And I always like to get really high, like, you know, 30 foot plus. I wear a safety harness because if, if I fall, I'm done. And I always like to get up, you know, down here this time of the year. It was This was 2020, December 16th when this happened. And um, I always like to get there real early, too, you know, right afternoon, you know, 1230-ish, 1 o'clock, you know, to get my smell out, you know, get through the woods, get up the tree and let some time pass, let my smell get out of there and all that. Because, you know, deer, they're very keen on their nose. And it was a normal day. Didn't have any luck. It got to be about 4 o'clock. I mean, it was, I can I can remember it vividly, man. It was just beautiful day man just just had no action it gets to be about four o'clock and i'm facing west and the sun it um the sun it's it's pitch black at 5 30 this is about four o'clock i hear something come behind me and it sounds pretty heavy it's not it's not coming through too fast i'm thinking it's either a big deer or a hog we have a lot of hogs too down here if you ever want to take a vacation to Mississippi and, and um, kill all the hogs you want, be my guest because we got plenty of them. It sounds pretty heavy. I'm up 30 foot. And another thing I have to add to this, Mississippi is so, the woods are so thick. They Every other year they have to burn, they have to burn the woods to get all the underbrush out because it's, it's nothing but nasty stuff, too. It's gallberry bushes, briars, and it just all grows together. And if you're not in an open spot, it's hard to see anything. Even if you're up a tree, sometimes it's very hard to see, even if something's right next to you, because it's just so thick. And this thing comes in, and I thought it was a big deer. I thought it was, you know, maybe maybe it had winded me, and it's just kind of sneaking through. And um, it gets about... 20 yards on the side of me and it stops and i'm like okay and i'm looking for this thing and i cannot see it 
it's in a bad part of the woods where it's thick, but it's only like 20 yards on the side of me. I start hearing like some breathing, like, like heavy breathing, like almost labored breathing. I'm like, what, the, what is this? You know, it doesn't make another, uh, all I can hear at this point is breathing and then it shuts down and it stops. And then I don't hear anything anymore. And I'm thinking to myself, well, maybe it just slipped out, you know, got away from me. Might have been a, you know, a mature buck, finally knew what it was and just kind of slipped out of there. So I'm facing the power lines and I'm like, you know, I'm pretty mad about it. You know, I'm like, man, I wish I could at least seen it, you know. So I just kind of gave up on it and I sat back down. I put my gun back down and I'm facing west. I can see the power lines really good. Uh, I guess probably about 15 minutes pass, and I'm just kind of looking straight ahead in my own little zone there. And I catch something in my peripheral of my right eye, north side of the power lines. I seen some movement at this time. It was probably about, it, it was a lot further away. It was probably about 150 yards out. And I seen something black just sitting on the power lines. It was, it was, it was like on all fours. And it sits down and, you know, I wear glasses, so it's better for me to look in the scope. So I, you know, I put my scope on it and it's far, it's far enough away to where I kind of got to power my scope up and I look at it and it's sitting down, but it's not sitting down like what you would think. We have black bears in Mississippi. We do. We got a few of them. We haven't always had them. They got released by the state to see if they can make it and all that. That's what I thought it was at first. I said, oh, you know, a bear. I said, that's cool. You know, let me look at it. You know, we can't shoot them. They're protected. So I start looking at this thing and it's, you know, I power up and I'm, I get a really good look at this thing and it's facing the same way I'm facing. It's, fa it's facing dead West. And I started powering more on it and it's just different, man. It's just, uh, something was different about it. You know, it didn't have what I was looking for. It didn't have the, didn't have the hide I was looking for, you know, like an undercoat, like a dog or a bear or anything like that. It was just hair. It was like real human hair on this thing's back. It was like long, like, you know, Nikki Six, Motley Crue, long hair, you know? That's what it looked like. And the top of its head was like weird shaped, like like conical shaped, kind of like a gorilla. It's not really coming to me what this thing is. You know, I'm still kind of puzzled. I'm looking at it. And this thing is digging in the dirt. It's like both hands digging in the dirt. It keeps bringing its hands up to its face, but it, still facing away from me and i'm like i'm, I'm really puzzled uh, you know i don't know what this is i don't know if this is a bear or is this somebody playing a trick on me if they're playing a trick on me it's they have a death wish you know so i'm just studying this thing up and down and finally it turns its face a little bit and that's when i kind of got creeped out a little bit when it turned its face i was still thinking bear when it turned its face, I didn't get the muzzle and all that. All I can see is a high cheekbone, a black eye, and a side of a nose. But not like a nose like what you would think like a gorilla is, like a, a real hooded nose like us, but much bigger. So that's when I freaked out. I stood up in my stand, and I'm looking at it. I took it out the scope. I start looking at this thing, and I'm like, man, what is this? It's not doing anything, but, you know, it's turning its head every every now and then and facing forward, dig, digging in the dirt. And before you go on, to, to try and, I'm 
you know, recreating this picture in my head, as I'm sure all of our listeners are. You're facing to the west. It is as well. How I think you might have said it, but how far away would you estimate it is from you at this moment? About 150 yards. 150 yards away. Okay. And um, but you have a clear, unobstructed view. So, um, because it's the power line, or because the power line cut, or the field, or what? What are we looking over at this point? It's a power line cut. It's it's power lines running north and south, but they cut them power lines every year. The the, the power company comes through like like right after hunting season, or even maybe uh, in the spring they'll come and they'll cut that because right. you know. It, it gets if they don't cut it, it'll get too high. And uh, also, you are because of this hunting technique that you've been doing over the years. You're actually back further in the woods while it's yes. more out in the open. Yeah. Okay. So, anyways, I'm looking at this thing, and I, I can't figure it out. And I'm trying not to make too much noise because I don't know what it is. I'm still, you know, Sasquatch. Still, I mean, it was in my mind after he turned his face. But I still didn't like really want to believe it, if that makes sense to you guys. I didn't want to believe it. Yeah, but it's I, shocking. Yeah, and he's not doing anything. He's just he just sit, he's sitting on his butt. He walked in on all all fours. I watched him walk in. I knew something was on all fours, but once I put it in the scope, I seen what it was. But it was sitting down by then. So I'm freaking out, and I know the sun's. You know, this this is the part of the day where the sun starts falling a lot, you know, and real quick. And I'm thinking, I don't know what this is. I don't want to make too much noise, but I got to know what it is because the sun's going down and I don't want to be pitch black in the woods with whatever this is. So just out of pure frantic, I stood up in my tree and I yelled at it. I said, hey, just real loud because I didn't know what it was. I didn't know. Like I said, I don't know if it was somebody pulling me or some crazy out there or whatever. When I did that, this thing all in one motion, put his hands on the ground and just popped up the two feet. You know, a normal big guy like you, Bobo, or, you know, you know, somebody big from a sitting position, you know, you're going to roll over a little bit and then, you know, go to your knees probably and get up. This thing popped up in one motion. Like, like not using its hands. Yeah. I've seen its hands. I mean, did it use its hands to get up? It, you, it, it was weird. It, it was, yeah, he put his hands on the ground and just popped up. Just popped up on the two feet. And this thing is standing up, making an oval shape. What do you mean he's making an oval shape? I don't think I understand that. He's walking in an oval shape. Oh, so he's like started pacing in an oval shape at this point? Yes. He's, oh, he's okay. He's pacing in an oval shape. And he's looking, because I don't think he knew I was there. I don't think this thing knew anything. I, I, you know, I don't know what he was doing. But he starts pacing and he's looking up in the trees and he's looking around him, and then he screams. And it's the scream that everybody talks about. It's it's just ear piercing, like the mixture between an elephant, a lion, and the biggest man you can ever see on planet Earth, all in one thrust. He screams and it just it goes through your body that far away. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. So this thing is looking around. He's trying to find the source of the sound. And there's a point to where he kind of looks up to me, but 
it's almost like you couldn't figure it out because I'm decked out. You know, I'm not skyline. I'm, I watch out for stuff like that. I'm in a tree. I'm fully decked out in camo. We're talking about face masks, everything. And it's kind of, it, it kind of like looks at me, but it's like he couldn't figure out what he was looking at. So I'm just kind of looking at him and I guess I'm busted. And I just kind of threw my hands up and I said, I'm right here. And when I did that, this thing just walked straight to me from 150 yards to about 30 yards from my tree. This thing walks straight to me. The best way I can describe it is the motion he was making. Imagine somebody on a pair of snow skis. And when I seen him coming to me, I looked at my gun. I had this from 150 yards away. I had enough time to look down at my gun, undo the bolt to make sure I necessarily had one in there and then bolt it back. And then he was right there. Okay, so you didn't see him walking for a lot of that, but it's obviously was moving at a pretty good clip. Yeah, but he didn't look like he was running, though. He was not running. He was just walking. And, but when I seen him walking, it was like, it was like weird. It was, it was almost like he was not floating, but I don't know. It was just weird. It was just long strides coming to me. But, it, but the way the, the body motion he was making was like he was on a pair of snow skis. Yeah. If that makes sense. Sure. All right. So he gets very close to me, 30 yards from my trees, looking at me. I'm looking at him. And this is where I really got a lot of good visuals of him. And it's this is where it gets good. At this time, let me remind you, the sun's going down, but it's still light enough to where you can, you know, the sun is just about, I, I want to say, just getting over the trees a little bit. Still got plenty of, you know, I probably got 45 minutes of daylight left. This thing, and it's just a staring contest. He's looking at me, I'm looking at him. But every time I would draw down on him with the gun, he would turn his head to the side. It was like he was giving me the look as, as like, don't you do it. Don't you do it. When you said turn his head to the side, I'm, I'm assuming he turned to the left or right. But you're saying that when you drew the gun on him, like when you pointed the gun at him, you're, you got he was his look said that don't you don't you do it? But wasn't he looking to the side at that time? He was looking he was looking at me with one eye. His body was facing me. That's why I have a problem when I hear like people say these things have no neck. They do have a neck, and they can turn their head. The problem is is they have so much upstairs and their shoulders going on it hides all that he was looking at me every time i would draw down on him you know i'd look i'd look above my scope make sure he's still there and then i'd look through my scope when he first got there i had to power because i tried to look at him and it was all you know a big old black blur so i had to power my scope back down to actually look at him good and i'm gonna tell you i seen the emotions in his face i seen his eyes i seen everything he had a very long forehead, almost Native American looking, I want to say. Um, his eyes were, were, were jet black, like a, like a shark's eyes. His mouth was huge, huge mouth, but he didn't have like big lips. He just had a very big mouth. And then I'll get to that later. So anyways, it was just like a, a stare off, you know. It was almost like he was looking into my soul and I was looking into his soul. Was, I think he was just as confused as I was. And this stare off went on for about 20, 25 minutes. And I got to look at his hands real close and he had dirt up under his fingernails. 
his skin was ashy gray. You could see his skin through his hair. He was his uh, his hair was dark brown, like what you get out of most of the. There was no blonde. There was no gray or nothing like that. But you could see this guy definitely needed some lotion for sure, man. His his skin was ashy, ashy gray, and he was he was he was big. Um, look, you know, looking at him from thirty foot up, he he looked like he was probably about six and a half, seven foot. But whenever I got down and I actually went back to the spot and I, you know, I kind of measured where he was walking. He was an eight footer. At least he was big barrel chested his, uh, huge, huge forearms. Um, his hands, I would say the tip, the tips of his fingers went past his knees a little bit. His, if I can exaggerate anything, his arms didn't seem like they fit his body. It was like his his arms is way too long to be on his body. He he had big biceps, but it, but his, his forearms were huge, huge. I got a million things going in my mind. I know what it is now. You know, it, this is what everybody's talking about. This is Sasquatch. This is Bigfoot. This is you know. But I'm thinking, why me? And why why did this happen? You know, I got a million things going on in my mind. You know, somebody that's never seen anything like that before and how do you even like cope with that? And it, and it just came right at you. Just came right at me. I'm up there. I'm up 30 foot and he's 30, he's 30 yards from the tree. Just looking at me, trying to figure me out. Is he standing motionless or swaying or moving or standing on both Not, legs equally? So, or one leg favoring one leg. Can you tell us anything about that? He wasn't favoring any legs the whole time he was there. His, his, it was weird because his legs were never like locked. Both of his knees were bent the whole time. You know, for like 20 minutes, I never took the gun off him. Uh, you know, I never took the gun off of him. I had my safety off, this, that, and the other. And there was a point where he kind of, I don't know what it was, but he he, he kind of like, I want to say he did like a yawn. And when he did, I got to see like his teeth. His teeth were were. I'd, I'd never seen any canines. I'd never seen no fangs in his teeth. They were square teeth like ours. Much bigger, much thicker. Almost like horse teeth, but but bigger than that. He did a quick yawn, and I got to see his tongue. I got to see the inside of his mouth. The inside of his mouth was was black. Like his gums and stuff were like either like a dark purple or black. He did a quick yawn, and I bared down on him one more time. And that's when I made a choice. I said, you're coming out the woods tonight. I said to myself, I said, you have to do something. You have to make a choice. You have to do something now. He's not going anywhere. You're going to be up this tree all night. And he, he's big. He might shake you out. He might climb up the tree, get you out. You have to make a choice now while you can still see. So I put him in the scope one more time. I put the scope right on the top of his nose, almost between his eyes. And it got to the point to where you make that last breath with, that you blow out before you squeeze off. I got about halfway through the squeeze and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. He was too human looking in the face. He was, he just, there was so much, the emotions I was seeing in his face, there was just too much humanity there. I could not do it. A lot of people ask me why I didn't do it. And I just couldn't do it. I froze. I choked, hundred percent choked. I couldn't do it. Or it could have been your self, uh, 
survival instinct kicking in telling you don't mess with this thing. Well, what did you have, a 7 mil? 7 mag, yeah. 7 millimeter mag, yeah. That's what they use uh, Midwest to kill elk and moose and stuff like that with. So you could have brought it down with that gun, probably. No doubt, I could have blew. I could have blew his brains out, but I just did. I couldn't do it. Something, something stopped me and said, "Before you do this, what is this? Is this something? You know, is this a government? Is this something with the government? I mean, when you kill this thing and you go to go get help, I mean, are you going to get arrested? Um, I, I just didn't know what it was. I mean, I, I, I pretty much knew it was a Bigfoot. But, I, you know, I had no experience. I didn't know what to do. I froze. I couldn't do it. So this was about a year ago or so now, um, a little bit more, that, or a couple years, two years, sorry. Um, but uh, w- would you come to the same decision today? I don't know. I really don't. Fair enough. He has more insight now that if you hear the whole story, he'll have more info to tell you why that was a good decision you didn't. Well, yeah, continue yeah. your story then. He wasn't like... He wasn't really like, he, I guess he was kind of threatening me a little bit, but he wasn't like fatally like, he wasn't like, of course, if he would have charged me or something, I would have shot him. But I mean, I, he wasn't doing that. It was, it was like, it was almost like he was trying to figure out what I was, you know, he was just as curious. I mean, so anyways, I got to the point of almost squeezing off on him, and I'm like, what am I going to do, man? What the hell am I going to do? This thing's not leaving. It's not doing anything. So I I, I pretty much got into a suicide mode, man. I, I finally just put my gun down and stood up in my stand, and I yelled at him again. I'm like, what do you want? And when I did that, that's when hell broke loose. I still see it in my sleep. I still see it all the time. This thing yelled, but when he yelled, it was like a draw up. It was like it come from his belly. And when he yelled and he blew, it's like his whole face, like his nose, his eyes, his teeth, everything protruded to the front of him and then sucked back to normal. There was that much power in it. It was like a DC comic book. It was unbelievable. Are you saying that the face or the like that area expanded when it yelled? It all protruded to the front of his face like a big blob of meat and then went back to normal. So this thing dropped back to all fours and ran across the power lines on the west side that I was facing. He is ripping up gallberry bushes and throwing them out in the middle of the power lines. This thing is knocking trees down. He's not knocking down like full pines or nothing like that. He's knocking down little trees. He's yelling. But I notice... He's on the other side of power lines. He's going through the woods, just screaming, yelling, this, that, and the other. But he's going further north on the other side. This is when I got scared. I said, okay, he's coming after me now. I did something he didn't like. So he gets probably about 100 yards on the other side. And I seen him fly back across on my side, all fours. Now he is behind me, ripping up stuff yelling screaming talking and when i say talking it's it's more like not like we would talk it's more like the tasmanian devil you know the whole you know that kind of stuff but he gets far enough to where i said man maybe i can just get out of my tree and and haul ass down the power lines so I, i made sure he kept going and going and going i don't know if he was trying to tell on me or whatever or 
if there was others around. I'm looking, and I'm the sun is now over the trees, but I can still see pretty good. It usually takes me about to get 30 foot up a tree. It probably takes in between 20 to 22 jacks. I was down in 10. I get down. My my book bag with all my stuff was still up the tree. I left all that up there. The only thing I brought down with me was my gun. I start running down the power lines towards my truck. I've got about, uh, I roughly got about 550, 600 yards to go. I got, I've, I've got a good ways. So I'm running down the power lines. I can still hear, hear him back there doing his thing. Wasn't really paying attention. I was just, I was in survival mode. I'm going down these power lines and I get, you know, I was a little out of shape at the time. I get about 150 yards down and I'm whooped. So I go from a fast run to a very fast walk. I'm walking, walking, and then every now and then I'd pick it back up, start running again. I get about 200 yards down the power line and I noticed on the side of me, there is something in the woods following me. And, and it's not him because I can hear, I can still hear him back there yelling and screaming. But there's something on the side of me now. I'm walking fast. It's it's doing everything that I'm doing. When I stopped, it stops. I start running, it starts running. And about the halfway point down these power lines, there's this plateau that comes out about halfway across. The, I always used to call it the island. That was like the halfway mark. I'm coming up on this island thing, but the way the power lines are shaped and the way this plateau comes out, whatever it is, when I get to that plateau, it's going to intercept me. It's coming in closer, 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 closer. And like I said, I'm walking fast, picking it up to a run, getting whooped, back to a, you know, a power walk. And I'm coming up on this plateau. And, I, you know, I'm counting. You know, I said, whatever this is, because the power line's kind of like they make a small little stretch and then they go back straight again. I get to the plateau and right before the, whatever this is, I took a shot. I just shot a shot in the air. And anybody that's ever, you know, shot a 300 mag or a 7 mag knows how loud one is. It rumbles your body when you shoot it. When I did that, everything stopped. I didn't hear him back there no more. Whatever was on the side of me, it it it, it vanished or whatever. I get on the other side of the island. And I start running again, running and running and running. I'm probably about 300 yards from my truck now. And I go up this hill. I want to get to the crest of the top of the hill. I can see my truck, but I can only see the top of it. You know, I can see the ceiling of my truck. When I seen my truck, I caught another gear. And I kept going and going and going. And I got in my truck. Well, I didn't get my truck. I seen my truck. I went around to the driver's side. And right before... I stuck my key in it, whatever. I, I don't know if it was whatever was following me or if it was the one in the back that I encountered, but it was like one more scream. But this scream wasn't like what I was hearing. It was like, it was almost like a baboon. It was almost like a baboon. It was like a draw up, but like, like a whip, like a whack out. I get in my truck. And this road that I'm on, there's a cul-de-sac, you know, you pass this spot up, you go down probably half a mile and there's a cul-de-sac and you turn around. I wasn't, I wasn't doing the cul-de-sac. I backed up into a ditch and almost got my truck stuck. I got out of there 
and I'm in management area. It's all dirt roads. I'm fishtailing, almost wrecked probably several times. And once I hit blacktop, <sighs> I'm an hour and a half from home. Once I hit the blacktop, I was home in under an hour. I would say 55 minutes I was home. I get home. I'm in a city. I live in a city. I, uh, I put my gun on my bed and I got into a cold shower and just pretty much laid there in a fetal position for about an hour. And I uh, got out the shower and I laid down on the couch. Did this really happen to me? Did I just did I just see a eight foot ape standing on all fours with human looking hands and a human looking face? So I fell asleep. I, w- I wake up the next day, and you know I'm like, oh, I was just dreaming. Uh, that was a you know they're just a dream you know so i go to my room and my gun's sitting there on my bed and that's when i realized it wasn't a dream what a nightmare stay tuned for more bigfoot and beyond with cliff and bobo we'll be right back after these messages how has this affected you since that time um at the first couple about six months was really bad I couldn't do anything. I definitely couldn't go hunting. Didn't get to work for about a month. Uh, that's when I started. Uh, I, I want to say probably about a month into it. That's when I started doing my research on on, on this creature. And uh, six months later, I talked to Wes and uh, I talked to him via email. And then I talked to him on the phone. And he was like, man, if you tell your story, you know, it's probably going to help you. And it did. It's, uh, you know. I guess the worst part about it was, you know, having to tell people what happened to me, you know, uh, the first person I told was my dad, you know, dad, he's a, you know, he's ex-military, he's Vietnam. And I think he wanted to believe me. He wanted to, cause he loves me, but you know, that, you know, that's, that's a wild story. I mean, how, how do you tell somebody, anybody that, you know, that's doesn't have any experience with it, you know, just normal people. How do you tell people that, you know, I was hunting and uh, I seen an eight foot creature standing on two legs that c- confronted me for 25 minutes. Looked like a Neanderthal slash Native American in the face, making noises. And, you know, how do you tell anybody that? But you seem, I mean, you've been doing the rounds on the podcast. You seem to be moderately comfortable with it. Um, at this point, is that because of just the psychological unburdening of yourself? Um, it kind of helps in the same way, like talking to a counselor or some sort of way might help uh, something similar. Um, or uh, do you want people to know these things are out there? Like, what, what's your motivation at this point? I want people. Well, you know, you said a lot. You said a thousand words and just a few right there. Um, I think, you know, every time that you tell the story to a professional. You know, it's it's kind of like a serotonin thing. You know, it, it, it helps you. You know, you get it off your chest. But at the same time, of course, I want people to know that they're out there. I, I think there's plenty of them out there. But, you know, people, I guess, to your audience, the best thing I can tell you, we talked about this a little while ago, is if you, if you see one of these creatures, you know, uh, just let them do their thing. You know, don't, don't try to take one on. I don't think you're going to come out very lucky. Good advice. Well, then after that, you kind of got peace with it all, and you started hunting again. Then I talked to you off the air a little while ago. You told me you had another encounter. Sure did. 
Well, I, I have a few questions because obviously you have a, a fantastic encounter, and and I I don't hear anything in here that I wouldn't expect out of a Sasquatch thing, except for uh, such bold behavior, because that that in itself is rare. Usually, as um, since you've been looking into the subject for a couple of years now, um, you clearly know that ninety plus percent, ninety five percent of all encounters end with these things trying to not be seen and just walking away, and that's kind of it. Um, for the most part, but yours is different. Maybe it was because you were in camouflage and it couldn't quite figure you out. Um, maybe it couldn't quite pinpoint you, but until you stood up and yelled at it that second time. Um, but that, that yell, the thing that you described as paranormal, which by the way, almost certainly is not, um, just so you know, that that's a, that's an ape thing. The way I would interpret what you described is, um, an inflation of the laryngeal sacs. Um, these sort of sacs are orangutans have actually all apes except for humans have them. Um, we lost ours. Gibbons don't have them either, oddly enough. But, um, besides that, the other apes have these and, um, there's some debate about their function, but it's generally thought it has something to do with uh, vocalization. Maybe it has something to do with, um, achieving certain, uh, um, uh, frequencies, uh, of, of sound. Maybe it has something to do with, um, not passing out, uh, over long extended calls. Uh, there's been some hypotheses about that as well. Um, but, but I don't, I'm not aware that there, there there's so many reports and I certainly don't know them all, but I'm not aware Right, I don't remember speaking to another person who described something similar. So, can you um, go just a little bit more in depth um, about that particular vocalization when the face and neck and all that sort of stuff um, expanded by by the sounds of it? It sounds like it was an expansion of the flesh um, as this thing vocalized. Uh, like, like, where did the um, expansion or the inflation start? Was it down in the chest, like the pectoral muscle area, or was it just in the face or the neck or Tell me more about what you observed, please. The best, the best thing I can tell you, it was kind of like a, it was kind of like a draw up. It was like it come from his belly, okay. So like a draw up, but even those words. So is a big inhale? Is that what you're describing with a draw up? Maybe that, or I don't know. It could have been a bit. It, it was like, it was like he came from the stomach, and when he yelled. His, it, it was like his. I don't. It, it was. It's. It's hard to explain. It's like his whole face melted. It was like his eyes, his nose, his mouth, his teeth. Everything protruded to the front of his face. And at this, so time, it became more visible. So I, I, what, what I initially heard is that the face kind of inflated and made the other stuff small. But you're saying that the eyes, the nose, the mouth, everything in front there actually became more visible. It's like something behind it was um, getting yes. larger, perhaps. It, it just okay. It just basically looked like his face like melted. Everything protruded to the front while he was screaming, and when he was done screaming, everything sucked back to normal. Okay. And that scream in particular, um, I know you described it. Let me see. Like I'm taking notes here. Um, you described it earlier. Uh, let's see, that's the talking and yelling come from the belly. Um, hold on a sec. Oh, okay. Well, you described it. Uh, I remember a, a vocalization. I think the first vocalization, that's what you'd use more words for. I think you said big man, elephant, and um, 
and, and Lion for that vocalization. Let's talk about that one for a minute since we have more words wrapped around that. You said it was a combination of a lion, an elephant, and a big man, but yet you also described it initially before you used those terms as a scream. When I think of scream, I think of a high-pitched thing, but when I think of elephants, lions, and giant men yelling, I think of a low-pitched thing. Can you clarify what you meant by by those sounds, please? More like, I mean, I say scream because, you know, they, they say the Sasquatch screams, but it was more. It, yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying about, you know, high pitch, but I mean, it was more than a high pitch. It was more like a roar. A if roar, that, that first one in particular, or that the first one, though? Both. Oh, both. Okay. And wh- and whenever he screamed the first time, the, the very first time, from that far away, it, it hit you. It was like, it was like a... Something hit you in your chest and rattled you, rattled your insides. Ah, okay. So, yeah, you could feel it through your body cavity, in other words, right? Oh, yeah. These things, without a shadow of a doubt, are God-gifted. Without a doubt. These things the, the, these things are special. They're very special. Okay, I mean, would you describe that the the, the second one where uh, the, the, the face or the, the, the neck or whatever inflated a bit, that did, did it pretty much make the same sound as the first one? Or is it a, a totally different or a kind of similar? Describe that one I for think, me, please. I, th- I think it was basically the same sound. I just got to experience more because it was closer and I got to see it. But it was when he screamed the second time, uh, it, it was like I knew he meant business and I started like almost getting physically sick. You started getting physically sick. Um, is that something that lasted a few seconds or just like, oh, my God, what how, what is the situation I find myself in? I think it was, I don't think what he was doing was making me physically sick. I think it was just um, adrenaline and what do I do next? I got a question for you guys. All right. What do you think these things are? I, th- I think that, the, well, first of all, they're perfectly normal ape species, just just like gorillas, just like humans. I know people get mad at me all the time for saying it, but humans are apes. Got to deal with biology where biology is. You know, that's our family. Um, I personally think that they are uh, some sort of, I, if I had to choose out of the species that we are currently aware of, I would say that these things are probably some sort of australopithecine, like a paranthropus, um, a robust australopithecine, which in another word is paranthropus for that. But that's entirely possible. They're a genus and species that we don't know about yet. So that is always on the table. But if I had to choose from what we are currently aware of from the fossil record, I would say they are paranthropus. Um, which is a hominin, which is a kind of a an offshoot of something that we have a common ancestor with a long, long time ago. There's a lot of weird stuff. Um, weirdness surrounds them with a lot of stories, but I, I think, yeah, when it comes down to it, they're you know naturally evolved. Maybe not in the fossil record, but something close to it. My next question, you know, just to make the show a little bit more interesting, and maybe you can tell me more. Um, you know, I've I've seen to where you know uh, they might be attached to like uh, you know extraterrestrial stuff and you know orbs and stuff like that. I, I have no experience in that, and I don't know what you know even know where to go with that. People, it's, the fact is, people report these things in conjunction, like often enough where it's a thing. And my, I'm just totally open to all of it. It could be. Um, extraterrestrials, ultra-terrestrials, um, they could be entities like some other type of entities that assume these shapes or, or I don't know, maybe almost like possessed, uh, sounds kind of maybe a little far out there, but if something uses 
their their bot the Sasquatch body because it's the perfect thing to get around with. I don't know. I mean, there's all kinds of things it could be, but um, well, I did love the fact that you had to stop yourself because even after saying the word ultra terrestrial as a possibility, you had to stop yourself because the next thing you were going to say was a little bit too far. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's yeah. great. And trust me, Bobs, that's honestly one of the reasons I love hanging out with you. That's not a slam and in the slightest, man. But uh, I love the fact that no, well, after all this other crazy stuff I just said, I can't say this next thing. <laughs> It'll be too weird. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, I, what I was going to say was it doesn't it doesn't do the subject any good to really talk about. It. I mean, not saying that you can't talk about. It. I mean, it should be noted, and, you know, recorded when people report it. But for someone like Cliff to speculate on that stuff and get into it, you know, because he con- he's in contact with PhDs. Like we want we want science to get involved. Like you know, mainstream scientists they're so far behind the ball on this. But we do want to, you know, it's easy to heckle them and say, you idiots, you know, here it is right in front of you. But yeah. we do want to get them involved. And like having like Meldrum and Cliff, if they're delving into the, the woo side of things, paranormal side of it, then it just kind of takes away credibility from the subject with the people we want to get involved. So, But, you know, at the same time, the way you're setting that up, Bob, uh, for, for suspicious folks, they would say, oh, Cliff's just hiding stuff. Like, he's not t- he's not sharing the information that he gets and that sort of – and I got to say, I really don't – I mean, I, I don't hear very much of that stuff at all. I mean, I, it's not even 1% of what comes into me. It's not even close to 1%. Um, and and, and I've, I've other people and people who've been on the show and friends of ours and they say, oh, that's because they know that you're not going to believe them and blah, blah. And I don't think that's the truth, man, because I do hear some weird stuff. And some people who come into the, say, the, 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 the museum, for example, and want to share their story, um, I'll be talking to them or taking the report and they don't recognize me, but they talk about watching all those TV shows and that one on right. Animal Planet. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm literally talking to them and they don't recognize me. Um, so it's not like they're hiding stuff from Cliff. I, I just don't think that stuff is very prevalent in the data sightings. It's not from both. my experience. I think, I think a lot yeah, of people I, I, that, are, that are in the field, that that are into the Bigfoot world, know that you're you know, not, not you're really skeptical. And, but you've always said, I'm totally open to all these things you're saying. Just show me the evidence. Just give me, bring me some proof. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Just show me. Just tell tell me why you believe that. And if it's a personal experience, then that's great, man. No more power to you. I've had some weird things happen to me in my time. I wouldn't expect, you know, uh, scientists to, you know, start doing studies on that kind of stuff. I really wouldn't, you know. But at the same time, um, when we're talking about a fle- an animal that's clearly flesh and blood in some way or another, no matter because these things are leaving footprints. You know, uh, well, that, okay. So people have blood. They don't have blood in their system, Cliff. They're just ro- robots, or I don't know whatever these people think, or anybody thinks. They're they're leaving footprints. They've been seen taking dumps. They've been seen eating. They kill things and eat them. They eat plants. They scream. Everything about their anatomy and, and, and is just screams primate because that's what they are. They evolved here on this planet. Like there's a lot of stuff I can point to, pointing saying that they're a perfectly normal animal. And generally speaking, when it comes down to them being anything else but that, it's interpretation and personal experience, which I personally, I, I honestly can't argue with, and I wouldn't even try. But if we're going to be talking about objective things that we can observe, like I can observe something and point it out, and you can also observe that same thing. It doesn't depend on the individual observing it. We're talking about objective observations. Um, when it comes down to that, personal experience doesn't matter so much, but it's interesting how the observations all line up with something perfectly normal. 
you said it. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, like if they are capable of portals and uh, this and that, and you know, to go invisible, like why are they digging in trash cans? Why don't they just turn invisible and walk into like Safeway and go hit the meat section and walk out with you know a shopping cart full of people would just see an invisible like a it looked like a ghost pushing a shopping cart or something you know, like invisible. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's, it's yeah. there's a lot of things that don't add up for them being having these special powers. But I've personally been around, you know, where there's they've been around where there's orbs in the area. So, uh, but it doesn't mean they're directly connected. But I, I think they are. It's it's uh, I think there's some connection. I don't know what it is, but I think there there is something to it. Some people think that they're uh, interdimensional and. They can cloak and this, that, and the other. I, I'm, hey guys, you know, people are free to believe what they want to believe. I know what I've seen. I, I'm, I'm team flesh and blood, but others might be different. Yeah, right. and, and you know, and everybody's welcome to their own thoughts and opinions, and um, and hopefully our listeners. And I, I maybe I think at this point I've said enough um, things on our podcast. We've probably, you know, uh, uh, thinned out the the herd a little bit as far as people listening to us. Um, but I, I think that the people who listen who are listening at this point. Um, are, are those that like, even if we say something that they completely disagree with, they're not, that doesn't offend them. That doesn't threaten them enough to get all angry and stuff about it. Um, it's okay to have different perspectives and opinions on things. And, and then even the crazy stuff or the stuff that other people would me, I would, I would label nuts. Right. Um, that's, it's okay. I don't mind that. I've got some pretty weird friends and I love them all. Um, you just back it up with something if you want me to believe it. And, if I don't believe it, don't take offense at that. There's probably a lot of things I believe that you don't and vice versa. It doesn't bother me that other people don't agree with me. Hopefully, you're not so frail that it doesn't bother you that other people don't agree with you. And I'm not talking to you, Bobes, or you, Michael, by the way. I'm just I'm just the people out there. It's okay not to be agreed with. So, And, and everybody can relax. We can we can all um, feel comfortable in, the, in our own delusions, you know, um, including my own. Cliff, I know you love this story. But talking to him off the air, he had something even more recent. Just just this hunting season happened to him, which is keeps the story going. So, hey, Mike, would you be able to stick around with us for our Patreon bonus section for the members until that latest story you had encounter? Sure. Awesome. Yeah, we have a we have a private little member group that uh, we have people who want a little extra content. And if uh, you are one of those people listening and you would like a little bit of extra content every week, you can go to patreon.com slash Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast and join the rest of us because Mike's going to stick around for a little extra content, going to tell us some other stuff that's been going on, and we can continue this fantastic uh, conversation there. Um, Mike, thank you so much for coming on Bigfoot and Beyond. Before we go, we got Mike started a um, YouTube page. He's going to be doing his own stuff. Yeah, it's um, it's not quite there yet, guys. I'm still working on it, but um, if you can get my word out there, it's YouTube. It's Red Creek Mafia. That's that's going to be my page until I change the name, but um, that's what I'm going with now. So, um, I don't have anything Bigfoot on there yet. It's mostly just shooting guns and stuff like that. But within the next month or so, I'm fixing to start having guests on. The YouTube channel Red Creek Mafia then is where, where people can uh, follow up with you and and post comments and maybe even email you. You can email me. It's going to be m bluler m b l e u l e r at gmail dot com. All right. So yeah, uh, Michael, why don't you stick around for a few minutes and Bobo and I will close this thing down real fast. 
Um, and we can continue our, continue our conversation in the members section. And again, if you'd like to become a member, go to patreon.com slash Bigfoot Beyond Podcast. It's six bu- or five bucks a month, rather. And you get an extra you know, half hour, 45 minutes of content and some other cool things that we throw your way. There's also shirts if you're interested in shirts or hoodies or something with me and Bobo's face all over it. Um, kind of uh, uh, up your fashion game a little bit. Um, you can go to sasquatchprints.com and order those there. Um, I, oh, this will probably be airing in January, I'm guessing. So I'm going to be at, up at Squatch Fest in Kelso Longview, along with a bunch of other folks. Dr. Meldrum will be there. I think Mark Marcel's going to be there. A couple other folks are going to be there. I'm missing them right now, but um, we'll do something on that uh, probably next week and push it a little bit harder. But that's what I've got going, Bobes. Anything coming your way you want to share with the audience? A little earthquake update. The uh, engineer, structural engineer, came today, and we got a yellow tag. We're not red tag, but he said he's very concerned about our fireplace, the chimney, and that the house will have to be vacated because the amount of repairs that need to be done is so great that we'll have to vacate soon. Man, I don't, I've been coming to your house for a long time. You could have come 20 years ago with that same assessment. I know. It's, 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 since you've been there, Cliff, it's gotten it's worse for sure. <laughs> well, hopefully I can see it one last time before you're forced to move out. Yeah. Well... All right, Bobs, take us out, man. We can jump over to the member section. All right, folks. So we had Mike Bluler from Mississippi on. That was a great story. And we're going to do some more right now on the Patreon page. But, yeah, hey, also, thanks so much for doing those reviews and giving us uh, those five-star reviews and writing a little comments on there. It's, it's uh, really helping the show grow. We really appreciate that. Thank you. So until next week, you all know what to do. Keep it squatchy. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond, that's an N in the middle, and tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag Bigfoot and Beyond. 